0: Welcome back. You're listening to the front page edition of All Things Considered. I'm Casey Leaning. And I'm Emily
1: Burris. Gainesville Regional Utilities now has permission from the City Commission to file a claim for arbitration against the Gainesville Renewable Energy Center. Commissioners approved the motion 7-0 to in the meeting this afternoon. At issue is whether Gainesville Renewable Energy Center or GREC violated the terms of a contract created in 2009.
2: One of these
3: provisions is to provide proper notice to GRU We uh, are then to have the opportunity to prepare an offer to purchase or write a first offer, if you will.
1: That's Gainesville Regional Utilities General Manager Robert Hunsinger arguing Greg's sale of a 40% stake in the plant in late 2011 violated contract terms. Hunsinger says the city was given the right to purchase a controlling stake in the plant or its contractual right of first refusal. Commissioners at today's meeting had several questions. Some, like Commissioner Randy Wells, were considered, considered with the timeline of the arbitration hearings and how much of that information would be available to the public.
4: What elements if any, would be restricted or would want to be in a restricted setting. I don't know at what point our meeting as a body it, this would apply to, I guess, under legal cases. I mean, it's. A, I'm not quite sure where the members of the public are included in the conversation or what extent. It's just really going to be behind the scenes with GRU.
1: It was with that question that several members of the public took issue. Many who spoke up at the meeting felt it was not in taxpayers' best interest to move to arbitration, but rather that we should leave the current responsibilities and financial burdens with Gregg. Commissioner Todd Chase spoke out strongly for the issue.
5: The reason I support this right now is, as I have said, there is not a single issue, more importantly, perhaps in my lifetime, that I will ever be a part of to impact the future of Gainesville. And so... What gives me comfort to some degree to continue forward the item as it is right here now is that all of the past negotiations, all of the contract, everything that was done, there is for me personally, there is one enormous difference and that was I wasn't there. So I have a chance and I will talk and I will do the best I can and I'll continue to do the best I can to represent the best interest of our community. And for that reason, I support this, and and I think that this is potentially maybe the opportunity we've been waiting for.
1: At arbitration, the city would want Gregg to follow those contractual obligations, essentially taking a step back and allowing GRU to make a first offer. Legal staff for GRU said that if arbitration were to begin, it
0: would most likely take more than a year to start hearings. And as the city of Gainesville faces budget problems, much like the rest of the country, every bit of spending is analyzed. WUFTFM's Corey Brooks has the story of one attraction that has drawn some attention.
6: Local governments are responsible for a variety of things. Health care, law enforcement, recreation. One of the ways that the city of Gainesville entertains its residents is the Ironwood Golf Course. Ironwood is a city-owned golf course in East Gainesville. But some officials in the city feel that the golf course should make some changes. Right now, the Gainesville City Commission is trying to figure out exactly what the long-term future of Ironwood is. District 1 City Commissioner Yvonne Hinson-Rawls, who represents Ironwood, says that the commission is looking to improve the course.
7: Well, right now we have a request for proposal out on the street for... um uh, a professional management and operations person or group to come in and uh, spruce it up. We actually want it to be one of the co- best golf courses in the area, and so we want people with some expertise in the area to come in and uh, take over and manage it for us.
6: These efforts were started by District 2 Commissioner Todd Chase, who wants to begin collecting information.
5: Uh, I made a motion, and the commission agreed to uh, at least pursue other opportunities to see if there's even a market for it. So there's people talk about these what-if scenarios without knowing what if. And so um, we are currently right now out on bid for companies to take over the the management of the golf course, the uh, maintenance of the golf course, which you already do contract out. And we've uh, added to that also a, uh, a request for bids if anybody would be interested in acquiring the golf course.
6: But the two commissioners have very different directions that they want to see the course go. Chase says he would like the course to become profitable and that a private company may be able to do that.
5: Probably would have to be some kind of, uh, you know, thing on on, on on rates and things that, that you know, public courses are, are typically a little lower than the private courses. So I think that would be important, um, again, to the majority of the commission. I think that the uh, the other thing would be important is that it, it makes, that it does make financial sense to help with our current budget problems situation. So it would, it would have to include a financial aspect that over time would show a clear path to saving the city the kind of money that it would take to make the decision to, you know, not own it anymore. That a company could maybe, a private company could provide more resources and things that, that, that maybe the city couldn't to, in order to uh, maybe generate some, some greater revenues, and so
6: that would be something I think we'd all be open to. Meanwhile, Henson Rawls says that it's more about bringing the game of golf to new players.
7: I would think they would have great PR Uh, uh, opportunities and uh, abilities to uh, get the course and all of its amenities into the right venues and magazines and also um, have uh, pros golf pros on hand to uh, teach people who want to learn such as myself how to play a good round of golf and how to actually become golf pros i would uh venture to say that it would be good to have people who can teach college kids and high school kids how to become pros themselves because young people are taking the course kind of like a tiger and uh, becoming using it as a career uh, choice. Uh, In addition to that, they need to have people who are good landscape architects who know the course, uh, know what makes a professional course work, how it should look, how it should feel, how it should slant. Wish the city could find a way, frankly, to uh, uh, make it not just profit making, but to have it pay for itself. I would like to see it self sustaining.
6: Golf course supervisor Jeff Cordozo agrees, saying that the real benefit of Ironwood lies in the expansion of the
8: game. Well, I think first and foremost, uh, Ironwood's a community's course. I think uh, it doesn't matter whether you're you know, young, old, wherever you are, you're welcomed out here, and I think that's the uh, the most special thing. We we allow kids to come out here and play uh, for five dollars, play as much as they want. Senior citizens are more than welcome, and then uh, so many different varieties of people as well that uh, come to the east side of Gainesville.
6: golfer Art Stewart plays at Ironwood and says the course is great for the people of Gainesville.
8: I think it's a great community environment. It's got
9: a it's good for the you know charity work. Um, I've been—I born and raised here, and played here all my life. And uh, since the uh, the improvements have been made, I think it's added tremendous value uh, to this area. Especially that there's not too many golf courses here that can compete with us when in the Gainesville area.
6: Golfers across the Greens of Iron would have noticed a difference in the last two years. However, in the quality of the course. Ironwood underwent renovations a couple years ago, and Cordozo couldn't be happier with
8: the changes. Night and day difference. Um, I, I think the, uh, the biggest telltale sign was when we had a lot of the rain during the summer, um, whereas probably before the renovation, golfers wouldn't have been able to come out and play for a day or two afterwards. They were immediately playing afterwards, so it, uh, it made all the difference in the world and um, didn't have to do just cart path only anymore. Uh, the drainage did what it was supposed to do, and I think it was a great effort.
6: Cordozo goes on to say that the renovations are key to upping the profit margin of the course.
8: I think there's there's a lot of different creative ways that we can do. Obviously, there's marketing efforts, different ways that you can go about doing things, um, trying different specials and, uh, and different points throughout the, uh, the year. And that's something that um, everybody's looking into, trying to implement different things and um, just let people know how great the course is because i think a lot of people still have the misconception of it was ironweed before the renovation so you still hear that throughout the community even two years later so so the biggest problem is trying to get those people out here because on a daily basis everybody that tries it now i think has uh, great things to say about the golf course
6: the changes are certainly noticeable by those who play at ironwood and art stewart says he loves the course
9: i would say it's a pretty good course it's it's got a nice layout T boxes are good i like how they did the undulations around the greens the bunkers are phenomenal and the bottom line is i play up in north myrtle beach a lot and this is a very unique golf course when it comes to layouts um it's not easy you gotta you gotta hit your irons as much as your woods and it's a you know but i would say in general if i was getting picky i would say the fairways at the same time,
6: Cordozo says that the renovations help to further the game in the community, making the course more popular.
8: The way you look at it, obviously the goal is to try to get more and more people out here to, to play on a daily basis. But I think if you look if the the whole golf industry as a whole, I think a lot of people are struggling right now economy-wise. But um, you know, the fact is what, what we are able to do um, for just different individuals. It, it's not necessarily about... Uh, you know, going out and trying to, to do all these different things money-wise. It's allowing individuals to play and and let them use the community's course in the way it was meant to be.
6: Overall, both Cordozo and Commissioner Hinson Rawls are happy with the course in the public hands.
8: And, and just just knowing what what this place is capable of. Um, you know, I think there's just there's so many things from... Allowing Special Olympics kids to come out here and play for free, allowing junior golfers to play for five dollars, allowing um, you know the high school teams to come out here and, and utilize the course. Um, I think that would be something that I think a lot of people appreciate, and um, it's it's really neat that when you look out every afternoon, there's fathers and their five year old son. You know, obviously, women now coming out and playing, and that's another goal that we try to do is, is try to promote the game more to, towards women's players. So um, I, I think there's a lot of great things about the course and then and then again after the renovation i think condition wise uh, one source has done a great job in keeping things uh, the way they should be
7: lots of people use it from my district but uh, it's not especially for the district it's for the city of gainesville everyone uses it and uh, i'm pleased to have it in my district lots of people use it and people from uh, my district who might not otherwise have a place to play golf get to play golf yeah. and they do
6: for now, the Commission will continue to gather information on potential management solutions, but it's still early. So the process is still on the front nine. For Florida's 89.1 WUFTFM, I'm Corey Brooks.
0: The increasing prevalence of childhood obesity in the United States, it has been a challenge to keep kids active. This can be even more difficult during the winter months. But as Florida's 89.1 WUFTFM's Brandon McCullough reports, there are several ways kids in Gainesville are staying active.
10: There's nothing quite like the sound of basketballs dribbling and shoes squeaking across a hardwood floor. That's the idea at the Gainesville Youth Co-Ed Basketball League held at the Martin Luther King Jr. Multipurpose Center. For a small registration fee, children ages 5 to 14 can join the league and play in a 10-game season and postseason tournament. Recreation leader for the city's youth athletic department, James Gaucher, says it's a great way for kids to stay active.
3: They got two practices a week, and then they play games on Saturday. So, you know, some of the younger kids may only practice an hour. Some of the older kids may practice an hour and a half. So, anytime you can get three or four hours of activity, you know, running, playing, sprinting, agility, th- th- things like that, are great for the kids. So, I mean, get them active, get them out of the house. Uh, you know, sit instead
10: of sitting there playing a Nintendo games. Gauthier also says the league aims to teach kids important life lessons beyond simply basketball.
3: Last year we started this uh, character counts in all our uh, city uh, recreation uh, departments from after school, basketball, summer heat wave, anything that we're doing, we're trying to promote the six pillars of character, and which is trustworthiness, respect, responsibility, fairness, caring, and citizenship. Not to mention, you know, good sportsmanship and, and, respect, and respect for coaches, fans, players, other uh, organizations. So, you know, it's more than just basketball.
10: Sign up for the league continues through December with games starting in January. And while being in a warm indoor gym is nice, there are ways for kids to stay active outside as well. Just ask 18-year-old skateboarder C.J. Bingham, who often visits Possum Creek Skate Park. I come down or down here about uh,
11: one, two times a week. I mean, it's the nicest park in Gainesville. It's definitely the place to go around like 5 to 6 p.m. when it's just flooded with people. And the people that come down here are really good.
10: He says skating can be even more enjoyable when the weather cools down.
11: Uh, I know definitely uh, during the winter it's a great time to skate because it's not so hot and you don't get you know, super sweaty, all, you know, immediately.
10: The park also offers a safe skating experience, says Bingham.
11: The way this park's made, um, if you fall, you know, you're definitely going to slide. It's not like it's, you know, super rough and you're going to cut yourself up, so it's a lot safer. And everything's made really nice and really sturdy, so nothing's going to, you know, break on you or move on you while you're skating.
10: So whether it's on skate ramps, in the basketball gym, or any other place Gainesville has to offer, kids do have options to stay active, even during the winter months. Reporting for Florida's 89.1 i I'm Brandon McCullough.
0: Life South Community Blood Center's headquarter- center headquarters in Gainesville prepares for one of their busiest times of the year. wuft Dana Winter investigates just how important blood donations
12: are this time of year. It takes about 15-20 minutes to donate blood. Um, it's very easy to do. It doesn't hurt at all. Um, You do a quick
13: physical... um With the holidays quickly approaching, the need for blood donation grows. According to the American Red Cross, every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs blood. Increased holiday travel also attributes to this factor because the Red Cross says a single car accident victim may require 100 pints of blood. Media specialist with Life South Community Blood Centers Gary Kirkland says the need is constant.
4: One serious accident can can really you know impact uh, the blood supply now uh, we try to plan for all emergencies and you know one thing we hear all the time donors will say or people will say uh, well if there's an emergency I'll, i'll go donate well that doesn't that doesn't help because the blood had to be at the hospital when that person rolled in if If there is no time to wait, that blood has to be there.
13: Kirkland adds he's talked to a woman who's used 52 units of blood in less than 24 hours in a trauma situation, meaning 52 people's donations were used to keep this one woman alive. Although trauma situations are the most talked about, Kirkland says many other users of donations are overlooked.
4: People often associate the need for blood for trauma. Or like a car accident. In reality, is uh, it's the cancer patients who who need a lot of blood. It's people going in for just regular surgery who need blood. There there are lots of lots of reasons other than trauma that people need blood. I mean, here in Gainesville, if you think about it, we are we have a we are the regional trauma center. So if there is a bad accident. We need to have blood here. We also have major cancer centers here. We have a neonatal intensive care unit here. All of those can, can need blood.
13: He adds many operations like organ transplants performed at Shands at the University of Florida require blood beyond standby. Whereas Gainesville may not be a big city, it has huge city needs when it comes to blood donations. While donating her own blood platelets, Life South Blood Center Team Captain Jennifer Seely talks about the need to donate on a regular basis.
7: Well,
12: when it's two days, it takes about two days to get it, you know, on the shelf and in the hospitals. Am I right, Gary? Yeah, so two to three days to get it out there. Um, but in two or three days, I mean, Shands is a trauma center. Think about how many accidents and um, things like that that go into Shands every day. Celie adds the process takes approximately 10 to
13: 15 minutes and each donation can save three lives. She says she donates platelets every two weeks and donates blood whenever she is able to. Celie continues to describe
12: the significance of each donation. One whole blood donor, one whole blood tech, and there's, there's blood needs up on the wall over there. I think it says trauma patients. How many, Gary? How many units does a trauma patient use? So 50 people. It takes to take care of a trauma patient. That's one trauma patient that goes in. Um, so the need is always there. There's always an emergency.
13: Celia and Kirkland both say Life South Community Blood Centers are only closed on Thanksgiving and Christmas Day, so they're open every other day. They have numerous locations and hope to stay stocked up this holiday season. For Florida's 89.1
1: WUFT-FM, I'm Dana Winter reporting. It can be hard to find a good place for children, teens, and adults to come together to better their lives in the city of Gainesville. But as Florida's 89.1 WUFTFM's Danny Gibble reports, a community center's expansion could help create just that.
14: As cars drive by downtown Gainesville, past the bars and nightclubs, a little community center is making big improvements. The Porter's Community Center has been in the city of Gainesville for many years now, trying to create an atmosphere of helping people. Recreational aid Kenneth Ross has been working at Porter's for over a year, but he has lived in the city of Gainesville on and off for 30 years. He says the center has really helped in a positive way for the community.
2: Now, when I when I first came here in this community, long before I started uh, working in the center, you know, I, I noticed that the community was a little bit uh, in disarray, and and with the help of the, the city of Gainesville, you know, like uh, its police officers and things like that, that because it had a, the stigma that it was a um, place where mostly drugs and things of that nature was was. Um, soul and, and cohabited. now um since i've been over here from the past time um it, the atmosphere everything has changed and i think a lot of that got to do with the with the with the center
14: ross says before he started working there people were scared to leave their kids at the center so he took it upon himself to change their minds
2: because when i first got here a lot of the parents they didn't really didn't care for their kids to, to come out or to come around the center or what have you because they didn't feel safe. And But I made it a point for me to walk around throughout the community and let them know that this is a safe haven. And, and my main objective is for the welfare of the kids. And I need to get as many of them in here as I can because we can do things as far as like helping them with their homework, you know, teaching them how to, how to play better,
14: To play together, getting them involved in different activities. Ross is doing his part to help the children, and President Porter's Community Neighborhood Organization, Gigi Simmons, got the expansion process going. She says increasing the children's library is a big task they are trying to accomplish.
15: This room is the children's library, and it's going to be geared towards the elementary age kids. Um, What we plan on doing is actually redoing the whole library. We're gonna put in new books, um, put in uh, several small reading tables, the smaller desks where the younger children can sit, and also have the lower um, computer desk where they can have, we're gonna put two computers in this room, as well as tables for learning, more like a homework room, after school room. And then during the daytime, um, hopefully parents with smaller children, could come in from the community and we'll probably have reading sessions and storytelling, things like that.
14: Simmons says the Porter's Community Center needs a new image, so they are doing renovations to make it more inviting.
15: And we're going to have this part where they are currently located as our team lounge. And what we're going to do is, as you can see, this is the front door Mm -hmm. that leads into the building. And Mm -hmm. when you walk in, you see big, bulky machines. And, you know, we want to... We're trying to change the image, you know, and once we use get rid of those and have this open space, we're wanting to put um, two or three TVs on the walls for the kids can have their video games, the Xboxes, and put a couple of sofas, so it's almost like a lounge area.
14: They are hoping that the improvements will help bring kids into the building. But a project Ross has been working on is designed to get them out. He has been working with the Gainesville Police Department to bring in bicycles that were left throughout the city for the children to use. Ross thinks getting the kids out of the neighborhood can be
2: an uplifting experience. And also, you know, like I take them to, um, you know, like places like the University of Orange and Blue Games and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. I, I try to expose them to colleges and and encourage them, let them know that you have the opportunity to do the same things. And I think exposing them to that and letting them see, you know, like kids of their own, because the majority of the kids here are African-Americans. And if they see their own kind in colleges and universities and, and the kids from the university that come here and visit, they're more apt to consider going to school. The
14: community center and the biking around town also helps to give the kids exercise. Dr. John Spangler is a professor at the University of Florida in the Department of Tourism and Recreation. He says a very important aspect of parks and community centers is for the use of exercise. A
11: place for people to be active within communities, and this is um, understood by many authoritative groups such as the Centers for Disease Disease Control and Prevention, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, Safe Routes to School National Partnership, the American Heart Association are, are, are on board with um, finding ways to help prevent and reduce childhood obesity. And uh, parks are a good place for kids to be active, for people and communities to be active, um, and to help us address this issue um, in our country.
14: The center's expansion program is not only geared to help children. Simmons says the creation of a new computer lab can really help teens and adults better their lives.
15: We're moving this into our resource room where we're going to add additional five computers so we'll have a total of ten. That room will be for research resources for the older kids, high school kids, the people in the community that want to do job searches, GED teaching. We have we're going to have a GED program in that in the other room, the resource room. Um, it just it's just basically for the older people that want to come in, find a job, whatever whatever they need to do is going to be provided for them in that room, the older people.
14: Porter's Community Center is still in the beginning phases of its expansion. And the staff hopes that the community can come together by donating supplies or time to really make it a great place in the community. For Florida's 89.1 WUFT FM, I'm Danny Gibble in Gainesville.
1: For many professional athletes, their success can come not only from their athletic abilities, but also from the many decisions made outside the arena. Successful branding can mean the difference between being a great athlete and becoming a household name. Former University of Florida Gators quarterback Tim Tebow is bridging that gap. The Jets' Jets backup quarterback has trademarked the nationally known phrase Tebowing. It's become a fad across the country that many stores have decided to cash in on, including some in Gainesville, where Tim Tebow first became well-known. Florida's 89one WUFTFM's Cameron Taylor explores this trademark to see just what it means exactly and how profitable the Tebow brand has become.
11: If you've ever been to a University of Florida Gators football game, you've probably heard some of these cheers. Cheers that used to be for former Florida Gators quarterback Tim Tebow. He led the Gators to victory in two BCS National Championships in 2006 and 2008. However, the T-Bow brand spread nationwide during his time with the Denver Broncos when he struck the now famous T-bowing stance in 2011.
16: All, all he does is win games. I got t He shattered the mold and all he does is win. All, 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 he, all he does is unleashed. The T-bowing
11: stance is done when a person gets down on one knee holds up a curled-up fist to the forehead, and either prays or pretends to pray. It's become somewhat controversial, with critics saying Tebow wears his religion on his sleeve, but now it's a bit more contested since Tebowing is trademarked. The Tebowing craze has prompted many stores around the nation to profit off of the Tebow brand, specifically with T-shirts. Gators Plus manager Christina Rodenwall took part in the fad. She says a man from Denver brought her a T-Bowing t-shirt design that would go to charity, and she thought the design would be popular in Gainesville.
1: The shirt that we had was T-Bowing for 06 and 08. So it was um, two silhouettes doing the, the T-Bowing stance and um, talking about our two national championships. So it was just a nice reminder. Um, customers liked it. You know, it was all done very respectfully.
11: But what Rod wasn't aware of was that the phrase T-Bowing is trademarked by Tim Tebow. The U.S. Trademark and Pat Office says Tebow's own company, 15 Enterprises, filed for the trademark on December 20th of 2011, and one of the seven trademark filings includes T-shirts. The trademark is being handled by California lawyer Anthony Keats. However, Tim Tebow wasn't the only one who filed for the T Boeing trademark. A man from Jacksonville Beach near T hometown also filed a few trademarks, but they were rejected. University of Florida media law expert Clay Calvert explains the trademark process.
16: In other words, if somebody wants to put T Boeing on a t shirt without the permission of Tim Tebow's company and, and his attorney, that would be a violation of the trademark rights uh, that Tim Tebow now possesses uh, in the word T Boeing, uh, even though it would be for a non-commercial purpose that doesn't mean that people can't use the word t-bowing in everyday conversation it means that when he has registered this mark uh, he has registered t-bowing for use on a number of different items t-shirt clothing the types of things that we would expect uh, an athlete of his stature to be able to sell
11: but stores in gainesville aren't the only ones with t-bow fever T-bowing has also had an effect on the student population at the University of Florida. UF student Fred Kolb says he T-bows whenever he can, even if it's not in Gainesville. I mean, it's always a very nice thing to do in pictures, especially if you're somewhere special. Like, I went to Paris this summer and I was at the Eiffel Tower, so that was a really nice experience. And I got a picture of T-bowing there. I got a picture of T-bowing at the White House uh, when I was there a couple weeks ago. So it's just something special to show my affiliation to UF and the Gators in general. And I tend to do it a lot when I take pictures. Aaron Kalafarski is another UF student who's a frequent T-bower. Well, my uh, freshman year here at the University of Florida, you know, it was one of those first things that I immediately uh, grabbed onto. It was just kind of like, you know, you're around with friends, ways you celebrate whenever you score points in intramural sports. One of those things you just do for fun, you know, in pictures, just hanging out. Just one of those great party things. So, you know, just just go around and, uh, T-bow. While the issue at hand is not the T-bowing stance, but rather using the phrase t for economical gain, Christina Roddenwalt, manager of Gators Plus in Gainesville, says she would stop selling the T-bowing shirts if the trademark was enforced.
1: Well, we didn't make the shirts. It really wouldn't be on us if somebody wanted to come in and if someone writes us a cease and desist, obviously we would take them off the shelf. Out of respect for that, but um, you know, as far as we know, we, like I said, we didn't make the shirts. It would really be up to the person who manufactured them. I mean, Like I said, if somebody came up to us and asked us to take them off the shelves, then sure, yeah, we would do that.
11: UF media law expert Clay Calvert says he's surprised the T-bowing trademark isn't more enforced because of how popular Tim Tebow still is in Gainesville.
16: I would think that he would want to enforce it here because you're going to sell more clothing at the the bookstores in Gainesville with the word T-bowing on it than you probably are uh, in any other market. Uh, But generally in Florida, throughout Florida, he has such a good reputation in most areas, probably not Tallahassee, but in most areas, he's so well thought of, that indeed there will be a, a huge interest in him enforcing that mark. Despite the trademark, both UF students Aaron Halifarski
11: and Fred Kolb are going to keep on T-bowing. Of course I'm going to T-bow. You know, it's something that, you know, it started off with the Florida Gators, might have started off with T-bow, but, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, I believe does Belong to the students as well, people who do attend the University of Florida. So yeah, of course I'm in a and I think the student population is also going to continue to t Oh, absolutely. It's still a great thing, and I don't think I'll be punished for it, so for sure. For Florida's 89.1 WUFT FM, I'm Cameron Taylor reporting.
0: Welcome back, and if you haven't heard, tomorrow is December 21st. Many people have been pointing out to the ancient Mani- have been pointing to the ancient Mayan calendar, with some groups claiming it indicates the end of the world. Florida's 89one WUFTFM's WUTF-FM's Jane Schwed reports that a University
12: of Florida expert says December 21st should be a day just like any other. Countless websites and YouTube videos claim that because the Mayan calendar ends on this date, this is a prediction of an apocalypse. Groups have even been formed to prepare for the day by purchasing survival equipment and seeking safe locations that will protect them from catastrophe. Fortunately for everyone, Latin American art curator Susan Milbrath says that there is no need to hide for cover. She, along with other scholars, have studied the Mayan long count calendar, which is a way to keep time just as we mark time relative to Jesus Christ. She found there is no indication that the Maya thought it was the end of the world and that they actually have days counting past December 21st, 2012. Their calendar was simply designed to roll over and begin a new calendar after this date. The Maya tend to mark periods of time by the winter and summer solstices, and they chose this date to end the calendar because there will be a winter solstice that day. Milbras says the fact that there will be a winter solstice is probably where the speculation about the end of the world began.
7: There's a text that uh, says either nine gods or the nine god will descend, uh, according to some readings of the text. So with that and the date being uh, the winter solstice in 2012, people uh, decided that this might have some uh, apocalyptic uh, interpretation.
12: The Maya people alive today don't believe in this apocalypse. In fact, they follow a new 260-day calendar that was derived from the long-count calendar. Therefore, Milbra says that these people are not sitting around waiting for the end of the world and that they were surprised when people came to interview them about the subject. Although these rumors about the Mayan calendar are far from the truth, Milbra says some good has come from it all. I don't
7: mind that there has been some misinformation out there because it gives us a chance to uh, to tell people more about the Maya. And- Thanks for tuning in to the front page
1: edition of All Things Considered. This has been a broadcast of Florida's 89.1 WUFT-FM. I'm Emily Burris. And I'm Casey Leaning.